0: an American for the arts. I'm sure you listen to WMNF. That means you appreciate the arts. You appreciate great news and public affairs and great music. And we are asking you to support the station with your financial contribution. 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. I'm Sean Canan, and we're going to go back and hear the last... Nine or ten minutes of this great uh, conversation between Angela Davis and Lorja Garcia Pena that was on on uh, making contact, and then later in the show we have a special. I'm going. I've, I'm asking Daniel Figueroa the Fourth, WMNF senior news reporter, to come in and talk about a couple of his stories that he's covered recently that have been really groundbreaking stories, and you're going to be able to hear that and and uh, hear Daniel talk about that. And we're going to ask for your support for all of that. If you like women's programming, if you like the great news and public affairs that you hear on 88.5 FM, please support that with your donation right now. 813-238-8001. Last hour, we had a $1,000 goal for From a Woman's Point of View. I believe we are approaching that goal. I don't think we've quite made it. I don't have a total yet, but I think just looking at the numbers, it looks like we maybe raised about $800 or $850. So I'm going to say we probably need about $150 more for From a Woman's Point of View. Will you be the hero that donates $150 to help us make that goal for From a Woman's Point of View? Or maybe you can donate part of that Help us to reach that goal, or maybe you can join at the $5 a month or $10 a month level by calling 813-238-8001 or pledging on the web at wmnf.org.
1: And, you know, we're hoping to restart some of our concerts soon with people getting vaccinated and and uh, the CDC regulations. We're hoping to do that, getting uh, more people to come in and, and get interviews uh, with the news and public affairs. So you'll be hearing more of that.
0: Hearing and, and seeing, because we're going to be hearing, broadcasting videos of a lot of that.
1: That's right. And we will be bringing you more local news as well as some national news too Things that you're not going to get on NPR, you're not going to get on national news, and you may not get in, you know, the twice a week newspapers that you get. Um, we are going to supplement and, and assist with your information, and we can only do that if we survive, if you become a member, and the only way you can become a member to our, our WMNF is to donate whatever it is that you can, what you feel comfortable with, and you can call 813-238-8001 or go on the internet at www.wmnf.org.
0: And I have a couple of people more to thank who donated during From a Woman's Point of View. And it, that's going to be some good news in just a second that you'll hear. And we're going to go right back to our Making Contact program. So Farrah Stokes from Tampa has contributed $25. Thank you, Farrah. Thank you, Farrah.
1: She, she I love to, you. She
0: has says hi to Blanny. And she <laughs> says, I support From a Woman's Point of View. So, so do we. So thank you for that. And we have an anonymous donation. And this donation comes in from Seminole and it's a $200 contribution, which does put us over the goal for from a woman's point of view, according to my, uh, in my head calculations. And this is a unanimous vote for the station. According to anonymous, they are each getting a t-shirt, this, this couple and, um, they're going to love those t-shirts. These are beautiful t-shirts. So I'm happy to hear that there was support for From a Woman's Point of View. Now I'd like to, to know that there's support for the rest of 88.5 FM. You can donate at wmnf.org or 813-238-8001.
1: And I just want to make a comment that that Ferris Stokes yesterday uh, got on a bus with a bunch of other uh, women to um, to lobby at in Tallahassee and thank you so much. We just love our activists and our activist women really appreciate that.
0: 813 238-8001 is how you can show support. Let's go back and listen to the rest of this Making Contact program and it is featuring Angela Davis, a political activist, author, professor emerita at the University of California, Santa Cruz. She co-founded Critical Resistance. That's an organization working to abolish the prison industrial complex and we'll begin with the part of a question that is going to be directed toward Lorja Garcia-Pena. She's an activist and co-founder of Freedom University Georgia. You're listening to W. WM- WMNF Tampa, 88.5 FM, WMNF.org is where you can make a donation, or you can call 813-238-8001.
2: Um, and, and so we have these these places of enforcement, of terror, and all these things. And like you were talking about sort of the bloodless version, right, that um, through policy. I wanted to, to get you to talk a little bit more about that. Um, But but from an abolitionist perspective, so when you think about like, here's the way we understand law right now, right? And then um, and then here's the way that we think about um, about law in this feminist abolitionist framework.
3: That's such a fascinating question. Um, How to think about law in a feminist abolitionist framework when essentially the law enacts violence, right? So can the tools be used, right, to deconstruct uh, the master's house is the question. So many people go to law school because they're really interested in trying to change society. And um, one of the things I think that's really frustrating is people realize that the way that how legal changes have been traditionally tried to to be accomplished don't necessarily tackle systemic questions or utopian visions or what would really be the kinds of abolitionist reimaginings, right? So, I mean, essentially law is set up as a process either of band-aid, right, of trying to help individuals navigate a system and ensuring that this individual gets a particular benefit through providing these services, or it's trying to challenge policies and practices, but it's within the confines of what is set up as the law, right? And what the law is, is legislation that's created by some purportedly democratically elected body, right? Um, And we know all the ways in terms of voter disenfranchisement and gerrymandering and redistricting and, you know, so that the the way the system is set up is you have these purportedly representative bodies, which really are not representative bodies, right, which create these laws. And then you have a judiciary, which is supposed to interpret them. And we know how the Trump administration has essentially packed the court with. Members of this group called the Federalist Society, right? We have the most reactionary judicial system in the United States that we've ever had, right? Maybe going back to what people refer to as the Lochner era, which was basically this era of pure economic rights. Um, and we have um, the executive, which enforces the laws, right? And here, in terms of the national scene, we have had this monster in office. Um. So it's very difficult to think about entering that path and trying to do something different. Um, What I think um, many people have done is to try to create alternative spaces and alternative ways of working, which are deeply holistic. They're community-driven, where um, people say, I am a lawyer, I am a lawyer for the community. The community will help me figure out what it is that needs to be done. I will not identify myself as working on X issue because that particular issue might not be one that this community articulates as most important to them. So the lawyer, in some sense, is serving uh, community organizing um, and where the legally trained person makes themselves available to try any kind of tactic, right, whether it's filing something in a court or. It's protesting with a sign, or it's engaging in public shaming of uh, an official, or um, you know, it's it's babysitting, right? So, um, I'm reminded of work that a dear friend, Julie Sue, who's now the labor commissioner for the state of California, did. Um, there was a large group of us who were representing about 70. People from Thailand who had been brought to the United States, they were working in a condition of indentured servitude, sewing garments for some of the nation's largest manufacturers and retailers. And once they were liberated from this enslavement, basically Julie, who's an attorney, helped people buy shampoo figured out this is how you use the public transit system to the extent it exists in Los Angeles. This is how you open a bank account, right? And these kinds of ways of dealing with people as people, as humans, right, that are very different from the traditional attorney-client relationship. Um, anyway, so I, I I could go on, but I, I, I won't. And just say that there, there are a lot of really um, progressive, revolutionary Groups oftentimes associated with the term rebellious lawyering or independent worker centers, which are doing this kind of work, uh, which are deeply important.
2: Well, thank you for that, and and also just want to acknowledge all of the folks who are out here thinking about this from an abolitionist framework, who are coloring outside the lines, and um, and I know I wrote a book now twenty years ago, which is a textbook on community policy, and just all the examples of when regular people get involved. So, and that turns me to Angela, who gets to close this out in a way. Um, so I was wondering if um, you wouldn't mind sharing your thoughts about what is it that we should be thinking about now in terms of building this feminist, abolitionist, Transnational, um, anti capital, like all these things, this this intersection. um, Like, what are some of the lessons that organizers should be reflecting on now as we're trying to build this work out?
4: Um, Well, you know, first of all, this is really an exciting moment. And uh, you know, as much pain and suffering as we are collectively experiencing in the world as a result of the pandemic and uh, the disparate impact on communities of color, poor communities, uh, this is a revolutionary moment. Uh, um, so, I would, I guess I would say, um, there's so much I want to say, but. Uh, I think that I'm going to go back to the internationalist framing of this conversation, and how important it is to um, create ties and recognize that the U.S. is not the only place where important work is happening. Uh, you know, even even those of us who are opposed to the Um, systemic structures of racism, governments, and so forth, we sometimes forget that we have not extricated ourselves from this sense that the U.S. is the center of the world. And we therefore don't look towards other parts of the world for inspiration, for knowledge. Um, Racist police crimes uh, probably... The country that has that has experienced uh, more racist police um, violence than any other country is Brazil. Or we can even look at Nigeria and the the struggles that are unfolding against the um, what is it called the uh, special anti robbery squad SARS uh, struggles in South Africa. Um, I, I, a young, a young man, a young boy, sixteen-year-old, by the name of Nathan Julius, was who had Down syndrome, was killed by the police in Soweto uh, not long ago, and and so they're dealing with structural racism, even though all of the actors are black, even though the police are black, they're still dealing with a system uh, that. Uh, was created during the apartheid regime, but retains the structural elements of, of racism, even though all of the actors are black. Uh, and this is something that we should definitely learn from in this country because there's still those people who say, well, we need more black police, right? But that's what we know that that diversity, diversity doesn't fundamentally change the structures. If the structure remains the same, it's going to continue to do the uh, the, the, the violent and, and, and racist work it did before. So I think that uh, we should um, we should really emphasize the internationalist dimension of our work. I'm, since we've been talking so much about abolition, and we're also talking about borders, uh, I think this is the time when we... Begin to imagine a planet where the nation-state does not constitute the primary form of human community uh, 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 that uh, uh, we can imagine ourselves as global citizens. Uh, we can imagine a world without borders. Uh, uh, and if we if we imagine what we want, what we think we need, and then you know, one day um, there's the possibility that it will be uh, um, an important ag- a part of an agenda for change. Nobody ever imagined that abolition would help constitute agendas for change in our lifetimes. And. I think that the work that is being done in um, Mississippi, I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of this uh, study and struggle uh, uh, conversation. We need knowledge, we need struggle, that uh, these are the formations that will uh, not only allow us to imagine a different future, but encourage us to do the work now that will definitely lead to change uh, tomorrow, whenever tomorrow comes.
0: Well, that was Angela Davis, and she was joined by Lorja Garcia-Pena on the show Making Contact. And we hope that you enjoyed that program. I brought it to you because it has women's voices in it. Mary and Arlene will be back next week to host From a Woman's Point of View. And you're listening to 88.5 FM WMNF Tampa. Today is the last day of our fundraising drive, our membership drive until July. We're going to come back to you in, uh, for a few days in July and ask for ask for your support. But right now, today is our last day of our two-day membership drive from this week. 813-238-8001. Do you think it's important that we play Angela Davis and Lorgia Garcia-Pena on the airwaves here in the Tampa Bay area so that you and your community, your neighbors, your coworkers can hear Important information like that. If you do, please give us a call, 813 238. 8001 you can also make a donation on our secure website wmnf.org i would really like to thank you on the air and ha- read your comments about why you support wmnf when you make your donation at 813-238-8001 you can talk to our wonderful phone bank volunteers back there uh, we have great people who come in many of them come in every day during our membership drives some of them even bring in food for our other volunteers it's a it's a really festive atmosphere Atmosphere here, despite the fact that we are socially distancing, we're keeping safe from COVID still, 813-238-8001. So far, dur- during this morning public sh- uh, in affairs shows, we've heard from a woman's point of view, and we've heard Democracy Now!, and if you support either Democracy Now!, or from a woman's point of view, this is the last time until... July, that will be coming to you to ask for support for those shows. So you can show your support right now by calling 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. I'm Sean Conan, and I'm joined right now by our senior news reporter at WMNF, Daniel Figueroa Fourth, and we're going to feature some of his... Reporting over the next twenty-five minutes, thirty-five minutes or so. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, Sean. How's it going? Oh, it's growing great. I love to hear from our listeners and why they support WMNF. It really means a lot to me.
5: Yeah, same here. I uh, I love getting the feedback, and that's one of the things I love most about WMNF is our you know communication we have with our audience, with our our community. Uh, some of the best things about our public affairs shows, I think, are the fact that you can you know call in and and speak to speak to one of our speak to you know a, a panel of guests and and really get that communicate you know we are in the business of communication and uh, you know too often it becomes a one-way street and you know especially with news where you know news just sort of projects at people and you don't really have a chance to to give any feedback and i think that's one of the things that always drew me to WMNF and and makes it special because you can you know hear a story and call in and and you can email the dj on air you can email the host there's a you know direct line of communication to the to the person behind the soundboard which is you know very often ourselves running it when we you know when we do our shows and whatnot so i I, I love having that communication with our with our audience and with our community and we want to keep that going so please you know make those phone calls 813-238-8001 wmnf has been around for you know 41 going on 42 years and will you know hopefully with the support of our community be around for another 40 more but we can't do that with uh, without you guys so if you like what we've been doing for the last few decades please help us do it a little bit more you can make those donations online our secure website, WMNF.org or call 813-238-8001 and speak to one of our lovely phone operators in the back.
0: Well, let's give our listeners some reason to donate. Let's hear some of one of your stories, first of all. So why don't you just decide which one we're going to hear first and, and just set it up and then and then I'll play that story and we can let people listen to it and decide if the type of reporting that Daniel's doing is worth supporting with your financial contribution. Yeah. I'm going to give out the number again, 813 So uh, I guess I'll
5: start with a story I wrote a few days ago. um, Well, I guess it's about a week ago now, about more than uh, a group of about 100, uh, 109 altogether. I think it was Florida elected officials from the um, federal level to, you know, local county officials and local school board members who signed on to this letter opposing this bill that would ban trans girls and women from school sports in Florida it's been a big issue uh, throughout this session it's a it's something that we've been following pretty closely and you know a lot of time in uh, you know sometimes in print and, and especially you know we're guilty of this in in radio and TV we don't have much time to to devote to any one topic so it can be hard to to get in a lot of the nuance and and context you need, uh, and, and we try to do that every time we write a story. We try to get the the context and and some of that nuance in into uh, into our reporting and our stories because that's what really makes it matter. So this uh, this story is about one of those. Uh, developments in this you know one of the most recent developments Ron DeSantis still hasn't signed the bill um but this group of elected officials uh gathered together to to ask him not to sign it and to veto the bill and protect uh, trans girls and LGBTQ rights in uh, in school sports in Florida Orlando area Democrat Anna Escamani is one of 31 state legislators to sign the letter. She was a staunch opponent of the bill throughout the legislative session.
6: This sign on letter of myself and over 100 elected officials in the state of Florida demonstrates solidarity with our trans kids and our families that are directly impacted. And we're urging the governor to not sign this bill and to take a commitment to LGBTQ plus equality.
5: The Fairness in Women's Sports Act was tacked on to Senate Bill 1028 as an amendment after the original bill sponsor, Lakeland Republican Kelly Stargell, took it off of a committee calendar. It passed in the final days of the 2021 session as part of the larger SB 1028 with no additional public comment. If the bill becomes law, it would ban trans girls and women from participating in school sports. Supporters of the legislation said trans girls could have a physical advantage in sports, but during debate, sponsors in both legislative chambers couldn't identify any instance in Florida where trans girls playing sports created an issue.
6: It's a complete farce. I am a woman and I refuse for my identity to be used as a tool of division and as a tool to attack trans kids. It further demonstrates to me that this is not about what's best for our state. It's not about solving problems. It's about creating fake problems and further dividing our state while attacking trans kids along the way.
5: There hasn't been evidence nationally either. A Connecticut girl tried to sue a trans girl in federal court to block her from competing on a girl's track team. The lawsuit was struck down and the cisgender girl went on to beat the trans girl during a state championship. More than 72 local officials signed on to the letter, which was authored by Equality Florida. Tampa and St. Pete's mayors signed. Louis Vieira was the only council member to do so in Tampa, but three St. Pete council members signed. One Pinellas school board member signed and one commissioner. In Hillsborough, one signed from each the county commission and school board as well. Jessica Vaughn was the only Hillsborough school board member to sign.
6: You know, I feel like it's my job to protect our, our children and our students. And to make sure that our schools and, uh, you know, every environment where our children um, attend are welcoming, nurturing, um, places where all of our students feel safe and valued and respected. And, you know, I'm concerned that this bill is the antithesis to that.
5: Trans youth are among the most vulnerable in the state. The letter points out higher rates of violence and marginalization trans youth face. Last year, the Trevor Project released its national survey on LGBTQ youth mental health. The survey found 40% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered suicide. A third had been physically threatened or harmed. Nearly a third were kicked out of a home and almost half sought counseling from a mental health professional but couldn't get access.
6: There's already so much stigma and, and discriminatory behavior and abuse that you know heaped upon them as they li- live their authentic lives that this just encourages that.
5: The bill could be costly for Florida as well. Major sports organizations and corporations like the NCAA have indicated they'd limit operations in states that pass laws seen as anti-trans and LGBTQ. The bill also mimics legislation being passed through state houses across the country, including an Idaho law passed last year that was already struck down in federal court.
6: It's a damaging piece of legislation, not just for our economy, but at a personal level in telling trans kids that they're less than human and they can't participate in a team sport. Their intention in playing a game is just to be a kid. And playing in sports at a middle school and high school level is how so many folks develop leadership skills, build relationships, teamwork, and build confidence so that they can continue to be their authentic selves in anywhere they go in life.
5: Full text of the letter and a list of signers is available at WMNF.org. For WMNF News, I'm Daniel Figueroa of the Fourth.
0: We're really proud of Daniel's work in that story and in all the other stories that he does for us. If you agree that you think that Daniel's reporting is an asset to the community, that it's worth supporting here on 88.5 FM WMNF Tampa, we'd like to hear from you. 813-238 8001 or WMNF.org We have a goal this hour of raising $1,000. Will you help be the first person to kick off the fundraising during this hour and show your support? Maybe you can donate $50 or $100. Maybe you can join our sustaining membership called Circle of Friends at the $5 or $10 a month level. We do need to hear from you. You can donate on WMNF.org or you can contribute by calling one of our great phone bank volunteers at 813 Three, two, three, eight, eight zero zero one. and as you heard in that story from Daniel and as he mentioned before that bill was passed by the legislature and it is sitting on the governor's desk or I, I don't know the exact status but it uh, has not yet been signed by the governor so um, potentially this is a story that could develop in the coming days does he sign it, does he not sign it uh, that's an important question that, that we'll be following of course so um, Anything you'd like to add about that, Daniel?
5: Uh, yeah, just that there's, you know, there's a a lot of a lot of nuance, a lot of pressure surrounding these bills. Um, we try to keep tabs on them here. You know, that's part of what we do to try to help the community and provide some of that information that you might not know. So, you know, in a story like that, you might have heard uh, how this bill has not just affected Florida, but it's been going around other states as well. And, uh, and, you know, and the real important thing is, you know, the science of it. A lot of the uh, opposition is based on uh, conjecture and. Assumptions, And when presented with science, um, you know, we're talking about people's lives here. And, and these things, you know, the science should matter. The the data should matter. The facts should matter, especially when it comes to the lives of our kids. And, you know, that it's part of a community. It's part of our mission of equality and justice that we care about at WMNF. And it's, you know, stories like that and following uh, movement like that that really matters to us and, and helps us promote and and advocate for that mission. And, and, you know, if you're listening out there and those are issues that are important to you, if making sure our, our politicians and those in power are held to account and are, are, are monitored, make sure you support news and public affairs that, that advance those goals. And that's what we do here. So, Please give us a call, 813-238-8001, and, uh, and show your support for locally produced
0: news and public affairs that matter to, to you. 813-238-8001, as Daniel mentioned, or WMNF.org. Those are two ways that you can make your very quick, very secure donations to WMNF. We do not give away your personal information to any other company or any other nonprofit. We don't sell it. We keep it here in-house only. It does not leave the building. We only keep it so that we can uh, get back to you and if we need to and keep you informed, maybe send you a newsletter if you've opted into that. 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. About a week ago, maybe a little bit longer ago, one a Tampa City Council member met with a group uh, that, well... Why would I explain it? Why don't I let Daniel explain what happened mm-hmm. about a week ago um, with the Tampa City Council member, Vieira?
5: Yeah, so, so Luis Vieira met with uh, a, a sort of right-wing leaning organization that has grown to be known for supporting. Um, they've, they've praised violent acts of some of their members. Um, They very proudly were in D.C. during the January 6th uh, rally that turned into uh, the insurrection at the Capitol. And um, so Tampa Councilmember Luis Vieira, who is is generally a more progressive guy, uh, made some waves when he met with this group. And some, uh, especially in the in the activist community, were concerned with him, you know, legitimizing this group that promotes violence and whatnot, and uh, and and giving them some you know some air, and and some others in the community uh, supported him, and it and it brought up a, a really interesting conversation that I that I hope is a uh, you know is, is sort of captured in this story. But yeah, it's uh, you know it's all about the uh, this group and and council. Member Vieira meeting with them
0: and and what happened afterwards. All right, let's hear that story. While you're listening, you can donate online, wmnf.org, or you can contribute uh, by calling one of our great phone bank volunteers, 813-238-8001. Here is the story that Daniel filed. Viera represents District 7 in Tampa, and while his position
5: on the city council is nonpartisan, he is a registered Democrat with progressive views. He said he knew he might be walking into a hostile political environment, and that is why he
6: did it. My intent was to go to a platform that was controlled by folks with whom I strongly disagree in order to articulate my values and what I believe in. My disturbance over what I've seen over the last few years and why I'm disturbed.
5: Vieira said he spoke to the organization about the reality of systemic racism and implicit bias, the importance of equal justice, how he feels limiting refugees during the Trump administration was a violation of the American way. He also spoke about needing to end political divisiveness and the damage to democracy events like the January 6th Capitol insurrection can do.
6: This was not about elevating somebody else's voice. This was about going to another's platform and using my voice to articulate my values and my great concern over what we've seen over the last few years. You know, in in my opinion, we need more things like this, not less.
5: But in Tampa Bay's activist community, some, like Jennifer Young, were shocked and concerned that Vieira would give voice to a group with a growing reputation for using violence to silence opposing voices.
6: This is not a both-sides issue. The community patriots, the folks that they support, are really dangerous. Mr. Vieira should have done his research before he attended that meeting. He should have come and spoke with folks who are on the ground and have been hurt by this group. By attending that meeting, he normalized them, uh, and that's not acceptable. Uh, This is not a political issue. It's a humanity issue.
5: Jeff Hawks of Tampa founded the group last year. The group was thrust into the spotlight with controversy when it helped to illegally block streets to paint a back the blue mural on a Tampa street. Then Hawks and another member of the organization convinced former congressional candidate Christine Quinn to fly them in a private jet to Washington for the January 6 Trump rally that turned into the Capitol insurrection. According to court records, Hawks told Quinn he was supposed to be part of a security detail at the event. Quinn, who relinquished a lifetime membership with the group, is now suing Hawks. She said he bragged about how much money his group was raising and was supposed to pay her back, but after the riot, he shirked the responsibility. And in February, the group got violent. At Hawks' insistence, members of the community patriots went to a city council meeting in Newport Ritchie to intimidate members of a Black Lives Matter group and prevent them from practicing their First Amendment right to speak at public meetings. One member, Jason Duckworth, was arrested for battery after attacking a BLM activist outside of City Hall. Hawks called him a legend and patriot for his actions. Community patriots then celebrated forcing black residents from safely speaking during city council meetings. Nina Bonetta is one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter Pasco.
6: They like to come to our marches and literally harass us in every single way they can. Some of them have literally put their hands on us. People that are on their side have came and brandished guns at us.
5: Vieira said he was unaware of the community patriots' involvement on January 6th and their growing reputation for violence.
6: Legitimizing an organization like this is obviously terrible. That was clearly not my intent.
5: Bonetta has personally dealt with threatening and violent actions of the community patriots, but she gave Vieira props for talking to them. She said as a black woman, she is not someone who could go into their house and try to change their minds. But as a white Hispanic who holds a position of power, Vieira can get away with that. She said more should follow in his example. But
6: The fact that the man went in there and tried to tell these people what's really going on, I mean, I can respect that. That's what someone's white voice should be for, is to speak up in places where people like me can. not From what I know of that action, that is something an ally is would
5: do. WMNF obtained a copy of an email written to Councilmember Vieira's government email address by one of the community patriots who heard him speak Monday. Those emails are available in the public record. She wrote, I found your comments about racism in our country offensive. You uttered the divisive Democratic Party line and insulted most of the people in that room. You spout facts about American history, but appear to support the gratuitous erasing of it. For WMNF News. I'm Daniel Figueroa IV.
0: And I'm Sean Canan, and you are listening to WMNF and WMNF News, WMNF Music. We have uh, senior reporter Daniel Figueroa is sharing some of his stories with you this hour so that we can ask you for your support to support great information like this. He does research on all these stories. He reaches out to all the pertinent experts. 813-238-8001 is the way that you can show your support for this type of programming. We do need to hear from you. 813-238-8001.
5: There's a lot of of work that goes into, you know, even a little three to five minute news piece that you hear on the airwaves. Uh, You know, a lot of a lot of phone calls, a lot of driving around, a lot of uh you know trying to get people to to talk to you sometimes about very personal uh very personal things and it uh, it can be difficult but we do it cuz we love it and and we feel that it's important to bring that to the community, to bring that that news and information uh to to our listeners. And we need, you know, we are a completely independent newsroom. We don't, you know, accept money from any donors, we don't have any corporate sponsors at all. Everything we do in this newsroom is with the support of the community. And we need that continued support to be able to continue doing it. So, you know, please make that secure donation at WMNF.org or call 813-238-8001 and speak to one of our phone operators. Whatever you can give, uh, you know, if it's a a few dollars or a $5, you know, a month to start a Circle of Friends donation, every little bit really helps. And it, it helps us continue to be able to do the job that we love, which is giving news and information and and public affairs reporting that matter to our community. 813-238-8001
0: We're going to hear another one of Daniel's stories in just a minute or two, but I do want to give you the opportunity to support this programming Uh, We still need to raise $1,000 during this hour, we can only do that with your help, we need the first person to kick off uh, this hour by saying, yes, you know what I like hearing Daniel's stories in the afternoon newscasts and in the morning newscasts and I appreciate you when you bring them to us during midpoint when we have a little bit longer time to play them as well And I like hearing them now. If you think that Daniel is uh, doing work that's worth supporting, or if you think the station is doing well by having local reports by local reporters with the voices of local people, 813-238-8001 is your vote to encourage this, to help it continue. 813-238-8001 813 or WMNF or WMNF.org. Daniel, why don't you set up the next story so that people know what to what they're going to be com- hearing coming up in a second or two?
5: Yeah, I um. So so before we jump right into that, I actually think it's it, you know my my career's been kind of interesting as I started in print uh, and, and I'm not originally from uh, the Tampa area, but I went to school here. I studied journalism here, and every job I've had in journalism has been in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, between the the Ledger in Lakeland, uh, the Plant City Observer, the Tampa Bay Times, and here, my entire career has been devoted to keeping the people of Tampa Bay informed, and that's something I hope to be able to keep doing, but can only do it with the support of our listeners. And, uh, you know, speaking of being in the community... You know, we 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 cover a lot of heavy, deep issues, but sometimes we find some some just really cool stories. And I was able to uh, uh, March. Uh, we were celebrating Women's uh, Month, and I was able to find a really cool, what I thought was a cool story about uh, a local woman from Pinellas Park, who um, her and her husband run a a motorcycle machine shop called Cycle Rama. That is. Um, that has been kind of revolutionary and pioneering in the world of motorcycling, especially when it comes to these things called dynamometers, which uh, which kind of test the uh, an engine's power, and uh, and they, they started coming out in the late '80s, and uh, this woman Pamela Brown was one of the first people to take a chance on being a, on having one of these, and and completely revolutionized the motorcycle industry. Um, in the Tampa Bay area and and helped usher in a whole new era of, of motorcycling in the world so we sort of uh, highlighted her and I thought that was just a really neat story that we found about you know someone from the area who who you might not hear about on uh, anywhere else
0: and you can hear it on WMNF because of great support from listeners like you 813-238-8001 or wmnf.org to support Excellent stories like this one you're going to hear from Daniel right now.
5: Fifty years later, Pam Brown remembers how she got her start wrenching on engines with her dad. They'd work on Volkswagen parts together because he happened to need a hand and she was the one who was around. But when he bought her brother some single speed mini bikes, small motorcycles, those were off limits.
7: He said I could not ride a motorcycle because you are a girl. Girls don't ride motorcycles.
5: Fortunately for her, Brown's neighbor had a crush and a full-fledged motorcycle. Jimmy
7: Keeler, that's right, 80cc Benelli. Hey, Jimmy.
5: (laughs) He let her take a ride. She let the clutch out a little too quick and popped an accidental wheelie, sped down a hill and went maybe a little too quickly into a turn, but she made it and she fell in love. Brown is one half of the couple behind Cycle Rama, a high performance machine shop in Pinellas Park known over the world for building some of the most coveted aftermarket engine parts in the V-twin motorcycle world. She's been there for 38 of the shop's 45-year existence. But it was in 1989 that Pam Brown put her foot down and made a purchase that helped reshape the world of motorsports. In the late 80s, Mark Dobeck invented the first chassis dynamometer. Before that, a mechanic had to ride a bike to tune it, and measuring horsepower and torque was mostly a guessing game. Dobeck's dyno allowed bikes to be tested and tuned right in the shop. Henry Texa was one of the first to have a dynamometer in his Las Vegas shop. He said those early adopters changed the game.
6: I mean, you had a piece of equipment that was that was rare in the, in the motorcycle industry. Kind of puts you ahead of of anybody else as having the latest uh, the latest latest tuning abilities.
5: With the dyno, motorcycle mechanics were able to test the power claims made by parts manufacturers and fine-tune a motorcycle's performance to pull the most out of a bike. These days, the machines are staples.
6: And it's not uncommon for every serious shop to have a dyno because it's a necessary tool.
5: By 1989, Pam Brown had been in the motorcycle world for almost a decade. She got her start with a parts distributor in Atlanta. She was one of few women in the shop and quickly started outperforming some of the men. That earned her a promotion to being the only woman delivery driver and eventually the only woman in the sales department. Women ridership has doubled in the last decade, but at the time, women weren't prominent in the motorcycle world.
7: Even just riding motorcycles, when I would get off my motorcycle, people were shocked that, oh my gosh, it's a girl riding that motorcycle.
5: The job in Atlanta led her to meeting Wes Brown, Cycle Rama's founder. After a few years in Atlanta, she moved to Florida to be closer to Wes. She took a job in Tampa with another distributor, but they wanted her to use her voice for more than selling.
7: If I'm giving you the right information, you're going to buy stuff from me. And I know this because I've been doing it for two and a half years, but they wanted me to be vulgar. They wanted me to be like a phone sex line, and I and I, and I didn't agree with that, and I wouldn't do it.
5: So she started working with Wes full-time. Within a year, they were married. When Dobeck came out with his chassis dynamometer, Pam Brown saw its potential. Her husband wasn't so sure.
7: I didn't convince him as much as I strong-armed him into it. I said, with or without you, I'm buying this machine.
5: Not only did she buy it, she was the one who ran
7: it. I used cardboard and duct tape and pieces of plywood and Pepsi cans and to to change the airflow just to see what would happen.
5: Cycle Rama soon had the first dyno machine in Florida and one of the only on the East Coast. Companies reached out to have their products put on the dyno. Brown was able to test all kinds of new parts and help design the company's own performance components. Dobek remembers those early days.
6: I must have dropped their name a hundred times. Say, oh well, Cycle Rama has one. You know, it was a, a great relationship.
5: Now, fifty nine, Pam Brown is still respected through the industry. John Dahmer owns Dark Horse Crankworks. Dark Horse specializes in motorcycle bottom ends, while Cycle Rama specializes in top ends. He said, in an industry still dominated by men, Pam Brown is not one to question.
6: The motorcycle market, I think, at whole, can be very on women, right? It's a bit more male-dominant type industry. A lot of guys will try to either test her or challenge her as far as her knowledge. She knows it inside and out. And when you know it inside and out, somebody from the outside trying to challenge that is a but
5: Brown said that doesn't stop them from trying. Even when it comes to parts she helped design.
7: Nothing like getting mansplained about your own parts. She
5: doesn't let it get to her, though, and said other women in motorcycling shouldn't either. At the end of the day, she's still one of the best at doing what she loves, helping diagnose and fix engines.
7: I ask a lot of questions, and then I can see it in my mind because I've taken motorcycles apart. Because that's what, if I could just do that all day, every day, that's would be awesome to me. Just take Motorcycles part to see what happened.
5: For WMNF News, I'm Daniel Figueroa IV in Pinellas Park.
0: And Daniel Figueroa IV joins us in the studio now. My name is Sean Canan and we're asking you to support great local News stories like that one. What an interesting story! You know, a lot of times we do hard-hitting, political or environmental stories or social justice stories, and uh, you know, it's really important to focus on people who have made a difference in the community, women who have been pioneers. We think that you enjoy things like that. Uh, maybe a, if you want a little bit of a lighter story once in a while, I think that's great. If you agree that that uh, the, the reports that you've been hearing this hour and that you hear every day from Daniel on the afternoon and morning news. Are an important part of community radio. Please help support that with your financial donation at 813 238. 8001. Of course, you can always go to our secure website, wmnf.org, and make your donation there. Daniel, we um, don't have that much time left in the show, so I want to make sure that we get this l- this uh, last uh, yeah, sure. one on there. So why don't you set this one up as well?
5: Yeah, so um, we, one of the other things we've been covering a lot this this year and this uh, session has been a lot of the civil unrest And uh, especially with, you know, HB1, which has been deemed by some to be anti-protest, by some to be an an anti-riot bill, but it's caused a lot of controversy. And uh, last month, we, um, shortly after HB1 was signed... We went out to a, a Black Lives Matter march at Cyrus Green Park in Tampa, and there were hun- there were still hundreds of people there. But a year before, there were thousands, and some of the organizers, um, you know, ha- felt that that was some of that, you know, the di- discrepancy in crowd size was you know had a large part to do with uh, with the chilling effect that they fear HB one has on the First Amendment.
0: All right, well, here's the story from Daniel that he was just setting up about HB1 and a protest that happened after its signing. And you are listening to 88.5 FM WMNF Tampa. This is the story from Daniel Figueroa IV. You can call and support this kind of programming by calling 813-238-8001 or by going to the web at WMNF.org. The
5: marchers came in all manner of ages, races, religions, and even species.
3: This is Scooter. He's a protest pup. He's been out with me since last year this time. He's, he's my therapy dog, and we go everywhere together.
5: Abby Hagen cradled her small blonde protest pup for much of the march through a section of the predominantly black neighborhood of East Tampa. Hagen in a black tank top and a light blue baseball cap, Scooter with a red bandana around his neck. The words Black Lives Matter written across it. It was the first major action in Tampa Bay since HB1 became Law Monday. Governor Ron DeSantis signed the bill at the headquarters of the Polk County Sheriff's Office, surrounded by an all-white group of law enforcement officers and elected officials. He said it was necessary to crack down on violent protests in Florida, despite it never being a widespread issue.
0: It is the strongest
5: anti-rioting, pro-law enforcement piece of legislation in the country. But detractors feel the bill is a targeted attack aimed at vocal political opponents like those in the Black Lives Matter movement. The bill adds to existing anti-rioting laws while loosening the interpretation of what a riot is and decriminalizing certain retaliations, like hitting protesters with vehicles. Black Lives Matter Tampa co-founder Donna Davis said Saturday's attendance could have been stronger if not for the new law. Following the murder of George Floyd by former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin last year, thousands marched. Davis said even the most peaceful of protesters fear the consequences of HB1.
7: So people shouldn't be afraid because you want to live in a terrifying world? Live in a world where you can't speak. Live in a world where you ask for freedom and they cut off your hands. Live in the world where they throw you in jail for dissenting politically.
5: Just days after becoming law, HB1 is already facing its first legal challenge. A civil rights lawyer from Orlando is suing DeSantis, Attorney General Ashley Moody, and others in federal court over the constitutionality of the law.
7: This case could go all the way to the Supreme Court. All right, It is unconstitutional. It flouts the Constitution, right? And we expect it to be meted out with express bias.
5: While civil rights activists briefly sighed relief with Chauvin's conviction, they were quick to say it is a long way from justice. It only highlighted the depths of systemic racism in the United States, further evidenced by the deaths of Dante Wright, Makia Bryant, and Andrew Brown at the hands of police. Before the march, indigenous rights activists were joined by spiritual leaders like Rabbi Jason Rosenberg, who talked about the significance of justice in the Torah and throughout society.
1: Justice is about a system where every single
5: person knows that they can expect to be treated fairly.
6: And so we say to every elected official, every person working in government, in justice, the police, the courts, everyone, If you are a part of a just system, then you have no right to be here. Get just or get out.
5: For WMNF News, I'm Daniel Figueroa IV in Tampa.
0: And I'm Sean Canan in Tampa as well. And Daniel's joining me in the studio. We're at the studios of WMNF Community Radio. We're located on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in Tampa, 813-238-8001 is the number to call in if you like to support great programming like this, super hard-hitting news stories, timely news stories that Daniel produces every day, 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. I have somebody to thank. Carol Gardner has contributed $262.50 and Carol's from Tampa. She is getting the WMNF t-shirt. This is a great new t-shirt. If you haven't heard us talk about it yet it is a a kind of a blue gray color a very wearable color it'll look great on you and it has a a design that was designed by local St. Petersburg artist Todd Bates Creative and we we think this is one of our best t-shirts in years and we hope that you like it as well for an $88.50 contribution to Community Radio you can get this t-shirt we have other thank you gifts as well but we really do need your support we have not reached our goal for this hour yet 813-238-8001
5: yeah, you know, it's uh, I. I gotta say, you know, I love what I do. I love telling stories. I love giving voices to people. In that last story, um, Rabbi Rosenberg uh, just had an absolutely powerful, powerful moment at this protest, and being able to capture and and share those things with with Tampa, uh, with Tampa Bay and beyond is just such a privilege that I do um, with the support of our community. So please continue to support. WMNF.org for a secure donation or 813-238-8001.
0: That's the number to call if you'd like to support Daniel's uh, news stories or any of the news and public affairs shows. In just a few minutes, we'll be hearing from the surly feminists, Liz and Donna. They do a great talk show. Um, They have been on every other week. I'm trying to convince them to come on every single week. So wouldn't that be great to hear them every week? On Midpoint, wow, that would be great. If you think that's important, give us a call, 813-238-8001. I'd like to thank Amy Parsons for her donation of $100. She's from St. Petersburg, and Amy is donating to 88.5 on behalf of the legacy of one of WMNF's great founders, a fantastic legacy. We really appreciate this donation. Thank you so much for that. Now it's your turn, 813-238-8001 or WMNF.org. Once
5: again thank you guys for supporting the station give us a call make those donations support community radio we are you know trying to get more and more local voices on the air more and more local matters to you, to our listeners, and keeping a pulse on the community to make sure that you guys stay informed. So please give us a call, 813 238 8001.
0: Or you can donate online at WMNF.org. Look, I'd really like to get one more donation for $88.50 to get this great t shirt. Um, wouldn't it be fantastic to go out to a club in a few months or go out to a bar and watch a band and see an, a whole mess of WMNF t shirts, these great new t shirts? T-shirts, walking through the streets of downtown St. Pete, or maybe walking through Ybor City and seeing these T-shirts would be so refreshing. You can make an $88 and 50 cent contribution to get one of these great new WMNF T-shirts by calling 813-238-8001 or pledging online at WMNF.org. Thanks to everyone who has donated so far. Please continue to support the Surly Feminists in the next hour with Liz and Donna, WMNF.org. You're listening to WMNF Tampa.